Hey, you're listening to 91.5 FM WLUR Lexington. I am Sean, and I am joined on the phone today by Craig Bennett from the music collective, I suppose you could say, Applesauce Tears. Thank you for joining me today, Craig. Uh, It's great to be here. Thank you. Diving right into it, I noticed going back through the band's website, and that's the categorization that I'd like to touch on further, but the first Applesauce Tears LP, Tracker, to the best of my knowledge, was originally released in 1994 on Black Cottage Records and was written, recorded, and produced by you, and then it wouldn't be until 2010's Tug that we would receive what I suppose you could call the collective sophomore release. So, I was wondering if you could share with me a little bit about what events kind of inspired this initial release and why you decided to return to it some 17 years later. I was wondering what that process was. Uh, Well, that first one was recorded when I was a wee child, of course. I must have been two or three years old, right? So, But no, that that first record was done. uh, I say record, it was a cassette. It was a side project. And I was in Athens, Georgia with my band. And while working with them, I had a lot of uh, ideas, I guess. I thought they were all great, but the band only thought some of them were great, I guess. And so when the band didn't like what I was offering, I saved a little something for Applesauce Tears, which I considered my little solo project. And they were just um, instrumental bits of guitar on a four-track tape recorder. And so I handed them out to friends. I made a, a mix of it, and it was a small pressing of cassettes and then um i went on to i moved to atlanta and played in a little more substantial band here in uh, here in atlanta and then i kept wanting to get back to that uh, simplicity of of what i was doing with those uh, that first recording i guess you could say there's a band in there uh, between the first release and then the next record and so played in that band for a few years and then just decided i wanted to explore more with the instrumental stuff and that's when uh I brought in some other people, and we kind of put together Applesauce Tears as a more substantial project. Speaking of it being a more substantial project, I would imagine that being a part of a collective kind of facilitates a considerable amount of creative energy, and it would certainly seem to be the case with Applesauce Tears having released, I believe it's about six records since 2010. And I know Commuters just came out last month, but I was wondering if you were already tossing around ideas for the next release and where you'd be at in the process and kind of what the inner workings of this collective would be. Uh, well, when we uh, finished Commuters, when it was finally done, it just freed us up. You know, we, we were no longer kind of slaving away on finishing it. The beginning of the process is really exciting. We, you know, ideas are flying and we work pretty frantically and we have a pretty strict no rehearsal policy with our band. We, you come in and you're thrown a tune and just find the melody and then everybody sort of piles in on it. And then we, you know, we try to move things around and we call it a collage, really. We call it a sonic mess. And then out of that, we try to carve a, something listenable out of that. Then it gets to the serious part of trying to actually finish the record and that becomes kind of a, a grind to us. And then when that's done, it's such a relief that these new ideas tend to tend to start to flow. And so we, uh, when Commuter ended, um, well, to go back, we did Alpha Drift, which is a record before this one. And as soon as that was done, the ideas of Commuter was happening. Uh, now we're working on a, a new thing that uh, it sort of keeps us from actually playing live because uh, we're just comfortable in the studio and we just keep wanting to you know, keep pressing on. And you're right. We've released every January last three years. We've had a, a album release. But yeah, that, that's kind of the idea. It is a collective of people, uh, friends, and we have other... Uh, 
they're in other bands on our label, and they kind of come in and play a little bit, or sometimes they don't make it on one record, but but might be on the other one, uh, the next one. So we have a tendency to uh, love to just keep recording music, really, and and then out of our label, we're the we kid other people in our on our label that we're the only one that can really get together enough to to really commodify anything into something that we can send out into the world because the rest of the acts are they're more experimental and they're atmospheric stuff and and they've got other things in their lives that keep them from from maybe uh putting in the effort to press an album and, and then get it out there on radio like we've been doing i guess that's the way i'm trying to put it Having spent some time with this record, I kind of get the feeling of an underlying narrative or inspiration that kind of guides the album. And and to kind of explain that, so it's called Commuters, as we've mentioned. Um, The artwork features a collage of you have skyscrapers, trains, there's a car in there somewhere. And you've already uh, mentioned the sound kind of being this kind of like carving out something from a collage of, of sound. Um, the record also features right. song titles, including Making a Living, Pleasant Room for Rent, and Don't Mention Prague, I Have No Money to Travel, among others. And so I was wondering what you and the group were trying to achieve, if anything, with this record. All of us uh, come from a songwriting, or we've been in bands that were pretty song songy, you know, pretty heavy with uh, pop or rock songs, first chorus, that kind of thing. And so really that was the biggest part of this whole project taking off was that in those songs I always uh, liked putting in uh, a break that kind of took you into another, you know, took you somewhere else and you'd come back to the chorus or whatever and I really wanted to explore that so that was the whole idea of this instrumental project and because it's instrumental we tended to want to uh, not really make it a concept album but but kind of we were thinking why don't we make a you know, have it have a start and a finish and the whole the whole deal like that. And so the funny thing is, when we got into this, doing this um, again, inspired by the the breaks of, of old songs that we were doing and and getting away from structure. Once we did that, though, once you get way out there into that world, you, we started finding that we actually wanted structure. So we started trying to put that back in <laughs> to our songs. And so our songs do have a certain kind of, uh, you know, there is a. I feel like they do have a chorus and a in a verse, it just there's no um, you know there's no lyric there's no singing and because of that that's why we do um, I think that's why we do kind of bring in a little bit of a a, a, a concept to this loosely a loose concept like Alpha Drift was a record before this one and it's more uh, nautical with seagulls and ocean and it's got the a lot of the seaside and all that kind of stuff uh, that you can hear and in this one we want to go into the city and get more of an urban feel and once you establish that everything starts to kind of go that direction and you think, well, this would be great for a, for a train to, you know, roll through the back end of this song. And, and maybe, uh, you know, that, that now your, your song titles, of course, again, being instrumental, they take on a certain uh, importance in a way. So you want to tie, I start tying out some of the titles, you know, to, to kind of support that, that narrative, I guess. And then, um, like this new record we're working on now is going to get away since we've done the city so much. Believe me, we're tired of trains and a city. So, and we were tired of seagulls in the ocean. So now we're going into the country with, uh, with uh, the sound of the uh, country life, you know, out in the prairie. That's kind of our next <laughs> concept, I guess. But, um, but yeah, it's that feeling of just trying to kind of get away from the, first chorus model of a song and uh 
and um, but yet th- that's still important to me because I I love songs so um, you know like that but uh, we're just trying to find that balance you know between those two. For those who may have just encountered the group, it seems not so much to be a purely auditory experience, but rather an audiovisual one. And I think that stems not only from the music videos, which I have a question about in just a moment, but also because you've listed under your influences or inspirations films with untidy endings. And I was wondering if you could elaborate on how film and cinema has kind of bled into your creative process and how you sure. determine how to kind of craft these cinematic sounds. Well, yeah, definitely uh, films and uh, soundtracks to films are really important to us. And Kurosawa is a favorite. And the Italian um, neorealism filmmakers and the and the guys that wrote music for those films in the 60s that's a big influence too because again there's we really love melody and those guys like um, Morcone and and some of these other guys they they just really uh drove home their melodies with a and they use really nice instruments too like a, a horns and strings but uh stuff that you wouldn't necessarily think i, I love a, a french horn that kind of deal like uh, Burt Bacharach that kind of stuff so so there's there's that influence of how that stuff plays on film, and, and that's a, certainly important to us. But oftentimes we're asked, because we're a music group, we're asked what is, you know, the influences. And people, all music groups, always tend to think they have to name music as their influence. And, and, and not that we're trying to be too, uh, you know, clever or anything, but it's just that that we are. I mean, there's so many influences. I, I always joke, I wish I could sound like my, what I'm, you know, I can only sound like what, what I can do. I wish I could sound like my influences. It'd be so much better to me. But, you know, from the guitar players, there's so many, you know, that I can, that I can think of that are, you know, important. But, but when we start thinking about influences, there's other things that make us, that sort of drive us to, to do music. And so, yeah, we put, um, uh, I think we put seasonal change. See, the seasons are a big deal, of course, because that, that's uh, inspiring in itself. And then, and in the films, there's something about, you know, just about that that kind of, to me, just make, makes me want to create something, you know. And so our idea when we were starting this project, because it's instrumental, this is, uh, these tunes are, they're soundtrack to a film that hasn't been made yet. That's sort of the idea. And then when we started listening to it, we thought, well, if you were making music for film, you you get out of the way of the film. That would be the purpose of a, a soundtrack, is to just accompany the the visual. And what we're trying to do, since this really doesn't have a a visual, when we when we write these songs, we that's why the sound effects and the and certain things happen. We we're really trying to bring the film to the to the music, since they're since it's not really based on a on an actual film, you know. So that's kind of our uh, our approach is to is to make it cinematic. But again. We started out with that idea, and then this this desire to, or we get pulled back into to songs, and we tend to, you know, go off on a nice bed of, you know, something in the background that that would work, and then inevitably become we become uh, confrontational, I guess, with uh, with something that you just have you can't you can't get around. It's uh, but it's cool, you know. Certainly, I was wondering. Because I get the feeling that from your music videos, particularly uh, A Kiss and a Cuddle from the Alpha Drift LP, they feel really hypnotic and dreamlike. And I was wondering about the music video for High on Ludlow, which for those who haven't seen it, the video juxtaposes kind of these almost, 
I, I'm not quite sinister, but in that same vein um, of scenes from a city, which include kind of people walking past subways, you know, uh, this perspective of driving through a street where you have this kind of like looking up at apartment buildings. And then there's this reoccurring image of, I believe it's six people kind of hand in hand, um, just spinning circularly. And I'm wondering, um, oh, that there's also a sequence where you have people walking through um, a subway station and the word, I believe the word renew is visible kind of in the background on what kind of appears to be an ad. That that tune has a that's a little different uh, song for us. It has a little bit of a swagger to it. I think it's a it's a slowed down uh, guitar riff that uh, just seems to, to me just had such an attitude and 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 I, we felt we just needed to have somebody a group of people just walking slow motion just trying to be cool. That's really basically it. Which is really the rock and roll in itself, you know. So nice. we just said, why don't we just have some you know, you can get some fog and some city, and that was our first video for the for the new uh, album. So, yeah, that's what uh, that's what that is, and it, and it just all kind of fell into place. We had a couple of uh, you know images. It's kind of like a, I, it reminds me of like the earliest days of Sesame Street. Actually, that's what I tell hmm. people. It's got that kind because I think all that. If you look at if you, YouTube, uh, Sesame Street in the nineteen early seventies, that stuff was really tripped out stuff. It's fascinating. Uh, made by a lot of film students in New York, I guess, and because and it was cheap to get it, or free, I guess, in the earliest days of that show. So anyway, so it, and we said, why don't we just have it where it just keeps reappearing, the skyline, and just kind of keep having, because in those educational videos, they keep showing things to kind of drive home whatever they're trying to, whatever letter or number they're trying to teach. Right. So let's just have this thing just keep coming back and back and back. And it kind of had that kind of feel. I, I doubt anyone else in the world would ever think Sesame Street when they see that. But <laughs> but that was sort of the idea was it just kind of had that more of a sinister one, I guess. But it just has that kind of feel. Just uh, something that you see early on and just keep making it um, familiar to the viewers, just keep repeating it. So that was sort of the, the idea. But in, in, yeah, give it give the, uh, the main characters a little bit of a swagger, slowing them down and walking in, in sort of a sort of a bleak sort of a bleak scene but the idea is to be to sort of be you know happy in the in the city was the was the idea but it, it kind of it is a little dark i think too so light and dark i guess light and dark definitely <laughs> there yeah i it, it really does i think that i got a sense of um both of those actually from the video and it sounds like i'll definitely need to go back through and check sure. out some early Sesame Street. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I really should have, I, I hate, I just, I think I just tried that out on you. That might be the first time I've actually said that out loud, so I might have, I probably should have, you know, focus group that a little bit first, but, but, uh, yeah, you know, uh, it, it might, it might make some sense, I don't know. Well, I am happy to serve as that focus group, and I will try to let you know uh, what I think afterwards. But sure. on that uh, humorous note, I was wondering if we could switch gears a little bit and move into a kind of post-interview game. Okay. So, okay, that sounds good. <laughs> because <laughs> I was wondering what in the world we could talk about for this, I came up with a kind of 
mixed-up quiz regarding both applesauce and tears. Okay. So I was wondering if we could test your knowledge on that. Okay, I'll <laughs> give it a shot. <laughs> I, 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 it goes from from fairly simple questions to to more complicated ones, and I would be happy to help you out as much as I can. Please, please <laughs> do, please do, yeah. So diving <laughs> right into this, question one, which type, there are three types of tears, which type are produced for basic eye functions such as lubrication? And your choices are A, basal, uh, otherwise known as continuous tears, B, irritant, also known as reflex tears, or three, psychogenic tears. Hmm. Well, I want to stay away from irritant since it is referenced in our band name, so that wouldn't be, although <laughs> some would say that would be the one to go for. Uh, and, and this tear is to do what again? Uh, it's produced for basic eye functions, such as lubrication. Oh, the, the first one, then. That would be correct. That would be yeah. basal or continuous. Okay. The second one, what is responsible for causing people to cry when cutting onions? Your choices are A, olinase, B, synpropanethyl S oxide, or C, the sneaking suspicion that you're probably hurting the poor thing. Mm, okay. <laughs> well, the more complicated one would be what a uh, someone who has no clue would go with the one that's more complex. <laughs> but uh, pollen, I mean, that's something I can relate to. I, I, uh, well, let's go for the second one because it sounds crazy enough to be a part of this. That would actually be correct. You are right. Um, scientists for a long time thought that olinase was the chemical or the enzyme kind of responsible for initiating the chemical reaction which caused uh, people to cry. But the second option, which I will not dare to repeat because I've probably butchered the name, is actually the chemical irritant responsible for producing tears when cutting onions. So good job. Two for two. So, number three, you technically do this to apples to make applesauce. A, interrogate them until they melt under the pressure. B, boil them. Or C, puree them. Uh, well, puree sounds like the most logical answer, but I think... Is supposed to be getting harder as we go along, or not? A little bit. Well, I, I, I tried to make it a little harder. <laughs> I think but... <laughs> you boil. Don't they? I don't know if you can boil. You know, I really don't know. I'm not that fond of applesauce, to tell you the truth. I, I don't. <laughs> I guess it, I think they. I think they boil them, right? It would actually be C. You puree them. Ah, but, of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> that was. That's obvious. That is all right. Because I, I was wondering, though, I, I, I snuck that one, the, the boil yeah. them in there, well, that, um, because I'm that made sense to me as well. I overthought it. See, that's the thing. Go with your first first thought is best thought. That's a, a motto. So Those are good words to live by. Yeah, that's it. So number four, John Glenn, 
who carried pureed applesauce in squeezable tubes during this event was the first American to do what? Your choices are A, solve a Rubik's Cube, B, attempt a transatlantic flight, or C, orbit the Earth. A, orbit the Earth. That would be correct. There you go. And the final question in the WLUR Applesauce and Tears quiz is, on average, how many milligrams of sodium chloride are there dissolved in each milliliter of tear fluid? And this one, I think, is a little trickier. Um, your choices are A, 24 milligrams, B, 6 milligrams, or C, 10 milligrams. Let's say 6 milligrams. There you go. Good choice. Yes. yes. Very good. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> that one I, I was actually a little concerned. I was I was yeah, thinking that's... about making one of them a little bit of an outlier to help you out a little bit. Yeah. But I just went for the smallest one. I could imagine 20. I thought the first one was too much. So. <laughs> oh, for, for certain. But yeah, it was between B and C. That was, that was kind of tricky. Those are awfully close together. So yeah. Well, there you go. Four out of five is pretty nice. good in my book. Great. <laughs> well, thank you again, Craig, for joining me on the phone today. I'm incredibly excited to hear this more out in the country project that you have coming up. Um, is that something that we can expect maybe next January? Probably so. I would say that seems to be our, the, the way things are working out. We um, Sometimes we want to release an album in the fall, but we were going to release Commuters in the fall, but we sat on it a little bit longer. And I think we did the right thing. It's nice to start the year off. And, uh, and we, we did uh, kind of time it with the semester of school, actually. We didn't want to release it. You know, we want to release it when school's back, and college radio is a big part of our, you know, deal. So we we uh, decided we'd hit it right when the new semester started for schools, and and um, so I would see that I could see that happening again next year, and um, I would tell your listeners to go to applesaucetears.com and and uh, say hello to us, and check out our back catalog and and uh, see see uh, some of our other records too. I'd like to thank Craig again for speaking with me last week. You can check out Commuters, which is out now by Applesauce Tears, by going to their Bandcamp, that is Applesauce Tears, all one word, .bandcamp.com. You can check them out on Spotify, or you can listen to them right here on 91.5 FM WLUR Lexington.